On today's Winning Cures Everything, we've got conference realignment, chatter, Pac-12 media rights and expansion. We're going to talk Big 12 expansion too. Texas A&M and Texas SEC scheduling. Hey, Deion Sanders makes everybody uncomfortable and more. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome back to Winning Cures Everything, where we talk college football news and rumors all year round. I'm Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE, and this is the Tuesday February 21st edition of the show. It's season eight, episode 14. And if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button. Whether you're watching on, uh, or excuse me, watching or listening, uh, hit subscribe so you never miss the latest tales from the college football universe. We are brought to you each and every time out by BetUS. It is America's premier online sports book. You can find them over at BetUS.com or just sign up using the link in the description. It's going to give you a $50 free play just for signing up. That's right. You don't have to actually deposit anything. You can just play with $50 for free if you get signed up using the link in the description. All right, hopefully everybody had a great weekend, a good Monday. I went and got a haircut over the weekend. Looks good, right? Right? Not bad. Along with watching uh, a whole lot of college basketball and the debut of the XFL, which honestly wasn't too bad. I mean, we just had it on in the background, but uh, it even grabbed the attention of my four-year-old. Like <laughs> they, they did a They did a pretty good job with it. We did get outside for a little while over the over the weekend, yesterday as well. Little dude and I went out for a hike. We uh, we hiked the nature trail at our city park before it ended up getting dark last night. Uh, it's really fun, honestly, what, what things will amaze toddlers. You know, we saw an owl at sunset. You would have thought that we were watching a, a freaking dinosaur come back from extinction. Like, he'd only ever seen an owl at the zoo. So seeing one in real life was, was pretty crazy for him. Um, I do want to start with this. Like, when... When did it get normal for athletes to just walk around with weapons, right? LSU's Malik Neighbors was charged with unlawful possession, and Alabama basketball player Brandon Miller apparently brought Darius Miles' gun back to him shortly before Miles loaned it to someone else who committed murder with the weapon in Tuscaloosa. And then you remember the New Mexico State basketball player that shot a New Mexico student in self-defense, Uh, both of those students had weapons. Like when I was in high school, even in college, kids routinely had guns with which they were hunting, like not pistols or Glocks or whatever. I don't, I don't get what has changed. Like why even put yourself in that position these days? But I digress. Uh, You ain't here for all this mess. You want college football news. We've got a bunch of it here. So let's go on and dive in. Uh, We'll write our times down, make sure that we are set up. Let's start with this. Pete Thamel, ESPN College Football Insider, put out an article titled Realignment Chatter, How the Pac-12 Holds the Key to It All. 
Now, first off, uh, I do find it a little odd that an ESPN reporter is covering this topic. Uh, because correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there a little bit of a conflict of interest hovering around this subject? Like ESPN has right deals with both the Pac-12 currently and the Big 12, who everyone seems to believe is, is going to be a big beneficiary if the Pac-12 splits apart. Like ESPN is also uh, rumored to be one of the only potential partners still involved in the current Pac-12 media rights negotiations. Uh, but alas, you know, let's start off with a little bit of Thamel's article here. Uh, what's the most apparent after interviews with industry and campus sources over the past week is how that financial gap between the SEC and Big Ten and everyone else is going to cause further unrest. It's safe to say that schools in the Power Two are going to be making more than $30 million more than teams in the other leagues now and going forward. Uh, he did say the Big 12 is at least safely established in the upper middle class after agreeing to a recent deal with the ESPN and Fox. Uh, now, the only variable is time, and the next significant trigger could emerge in the coming weeks when the Pac-12 schools find out what their television deal could look like. Now, Thamel is right on this, right? We have to figure out what's going on with that TV deal. It's not like they won't get one. Every conference has some kind of TV deal. The question is whether or not it's going to be enough money to keep the Pac-12 schools at least somewhat competitive on a national level. Uh, this quote from the article said, If Klyovkov has something up his sleeve... It's with some entity that no one knows about, an industry source told Thamel. And that's concerning because it's not just about finances for the Pac-12 schools. It's also about visibility because playing games exclusively on a streaming service is not going to help promote the brands of these universities. And here's, here's the, most, or excuse me, the most basic way to explain this. Linear television, whether network like ABC or Fox or cable like ESPN or FS1, gets your brand in front of people that might not be looking for it. Like, it's easy to get to. Now, on a streamer, whether that's Amazon or Apple, uh, the brand has to be fully established and people have to be searching for it. On streaming, there are so many options and so many steps to get to a game that really only diehards are going to go seek it out. Now, John Wilner from the Mercury News, he does the Pac-12 Hotline, he interviewed Kirk Schultz, Washington State president, about all of this. Uh, Schultz stated, my sense is we need to get it done in March, in mid-March, hopefully, talking about the media rights deal. Uh, he also stated, while some schools have a bit of trepidation about what the deal will look like, he doesn't feel at all like anyone is spiraling off into places of despair. I, I will go ahead and tell you this. I would feel a lot better about Wilner's interview if it had come from an AD or a president at one of the other Pac-12 schools that has options, right? Washington State is not going to be taken by the Big 12 or the Big 10. Like, at, at best, Washington State, if everything falls apart, Washington State will likely go to the Mountain West, I guess. But either way, let's carry on with Thamel's article. Thamel goes through... Uh, to ask whether or not there's a long-term solution for the Pac-12, which he says hinges on Oregon and Washington. Now, I can't disagree with him on that. Oregon and Washington will leave if given a better option like the Big Ten. There's nothing the Pac-12 could do in a financial sense at this point to keep Oregon and Washington not only happy, but competitive on the broader national landscape. Now, it really depends on whether or not those universities want to invest heavily in athletics or if they just want to focus on academics. Right, because they're in a fantastic conference as far as the academic side is concerned. Now, he does point out something interesting here about how things play out from this point, and that is how bizarre it is that the future 
of a century-old conference could hinge on Amazon, which is a streaming service that has never broadcast a college game of any significance. Like, this was interesting in the article. It said, don't expect anything significant to happen with the Big Ten and Amazon until outgoing Commissioner Kevin Warren officially leaves office, which is scheduled for April. Would a media partner want to deal with an outgoing commissioner? Probably not, especially because Amazon was involved in the original Big Ten negotiations and ultimately left out. But the potential of new leadership combined with the increasing desperation of Oregon and Washington has cracked the door back open. The Big Ten presidents were not keen on more additions initially, and both USC and UCLA have been protective of the West Coast. But could properties that valuable really get left behind? Now, it's a strange concept. I brought this up before, but the idea that Oregon and Washington might take less money from the Big Ten in order to secure their athletic futures is not completely outlandish, right? Especially considering less money from the Big Ten would likely still be more than what they could get with the Pac-12. However, going back to that Wilner article, the Washington State President Schultz stated that unless the additional money from another conference is overwhelming, like it was with USC and UCLA, what the school presidents are looking for is things like the location of the alumni base, the region from which school draw or which the school will draw applicants, uh, rivalries, and opportunities for competitive success. Put a pin in that one. He reiterated that winning matters, which is 100% true. Uh, will Washington and Oregon really want to go to the Big Ten but get stuck with like four-plus losses every year and, and do a whole lot of traveling for their other sports? Or would it be beneficial to be the top dog in a smaller conference for, you know, a little less money or maybe a lot less money? What makes the most sense for these schools in the Pac-12? Like, that's for them to decide. The only thing that's going to give us any kind of closure on this, uh, on the media rights deal, is, you know, when this thing gets announced in the next month or so, maybe month and a half. Um, and, and then we got to figure out how long the grant of rights is going to be. Like, it's, it, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with it. Staying on the Pac-12 here. Pac-12 expansion is apparently uh, not targeting rice, <laughs> which I guess is good. Dennis Dodd at CBS reported that the Pac-12 is not targeting rice as an expansion candidate right now. Now, obviously, things have really gotten to a certain point if rice has even been brought up as a potential target by a P5 conference in realignment, as their revenue athletic programs have been dreadful for all intents and purposes uh, for quite some time. I mean, they're awful. However, they are a fantastic am uh, academic institution, and they're a private school. They're based in Houston, which I guess would work if the conference is planning on adding SMU to the fold. I can only imagine what Oregon and Washington would think if Rice is added to the schedule in football or basketball. Like, the focus on Pac-12 expansion right now is San Diego State and SMU. Everyone saw Klyovkov in Dallas, uh, but there's been nothing of substance reported since then. However, Jason Shear, who covers Arizona for WildcatAuthority.com, tweeted this. At a swim-and-dive championship banquet in Houston yesterday, the San Diego State athletic director told people SDSU will be joining the Pac-12, and it will be announced soon. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, it's not exactly groundbreaking stuff. We've all expected that for a while now, but still, it is very interesting to hear it from the AD. Let's, uh, let's continue on with a little more expansion talk. Uh, only let's, let's do it on the, the Big 12 side on this one. 
On the Big 12 expansion front, John Canzano is reporting that Fresno State and the Big 12 are talking. Now, over at johncanzano.com, he posted, Fresno State and the Big 12 are talking. Uh, your mark and Fresno State President Saul Jimenez Sandoval, I hope I said that right, have had multiple conversations, uh, a source told him. The Bulldogs would love to join a Power 5 conference. Now, we've talked about that multiple times. I've got a video up from, I mean, a month ago or so, maybe a month and a half ago, uh, about that exact topic. But this is right after he stated this about Fresno State. Canzano said, I'm told the Pac-12 has only had intermittent contact with the Bulldogs. No visit, nothing planned. I don't think the presidents and chancellors, especially the ones a few hours away in the Bay Area, in the Pac-12, view Fresno as a must-have. I could understand it, right? We, we went over all the different reasons, but to rehash some of those, you don't want... The, they're really close to Stanford and Cal, so they may not want them in. And also, from an academic standpoint, you might not want them in. Although Fresno... Not bad. Not a bad school. Um, Boise is apparently an option also for the Big 12, although there's been no report of even conversations happening at this point. But if the Big 12 is looking to fill TV revenue, Boise State has shown that they are willing to schedule games late at night, whether it be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever. So that is something to keep an eye on. Now, on the other side, we got a hit on the latest Deion Sanders mess. We're going to talk Cincinnati, Houston, and LSU coaching news. Uh, we got some Texas and Texas A&M talk and a whole lot more. Let's check out some things you should know about. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, expert game analysis only on the BetUS TV College football channel. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. And now, back to the show. Colorado coach Deion Sanders joined the Rich Eisen show last week. And he discussed his approach to recruiting and what he looks for when recruiting certain positions. He said, we have different attributes, smart, tough, fast, disciplined with character. Now, quarterbacks are different. We want mother, father, dual parent. We want their kid to be 3.5 GPA and up because he has to be smart. Not bad decisions off the field at all because he has to be a leader of men. It's so many different attributes and what we look for when we see a quarterback. You would love a coach's son, somewhere that the coach has coached him. That's what we really look for in quarterbacks. Uh, and then, of course, we move along to other positions. This is what he said about offensive linemen. O-linemen, I look for dual parent homes, a strong father that they adhere to, a smart kid, at least 3.3 GPA and above, tough physical offensive linemen. And then the part that got people really shaken up defensive lineman is totally opposite single mama trying to get it uh he's free or excuse me he's on free lunch i'm talking about just trying to make it he's trying to rescue mama like mama barely made the flight and i want him to just go get it it's a whole different attribute you look for in different positions and we have that stuff just chronicled we know what we want and we go get it it made this stuff makes you feel a little weird right a little bit uncomfortable uh, well that's because dion said the quiet part out loud like, nobody says stuff like this. That's, that's the crazy thing. Uh, I, I guess that's what makes people think that this is controversial. Now, I don't know how other uh, coaches, or I don't know how specific, I guess, other coaching staffs get with GPAs and whatnot on different positions. 
and I'm certain that there are outliers that Sanders would be willing to take in. But what he's talking about with D linemen is basically that they've got to have that dog in them, right? Like he's just playing the stereotypes here. I don't believe that he's saying his defensive linemen have to have only one parent and it has to be a single mother. Like I would almost guarantee that what he means is to play defense in today's game, you have to have a violent nature on the football field and it's not something that can be taught. Like that mentality is a totally different thing than those that have to play on offense. But I mean, he said what he said. I, I don't know that I agree with it. I do wonder how long people are going to continue to be shocked by the things that Deion Sanders says, though. Like, it, it's not like this is the first time, but I do think that he might do himself some favors by maybe, eh, what's the word, not being so public, I guess, with comments like these. Like, the difference between locker room talk and, and public statements has never been so drastic. So I would imagine he'll have to learn to navigate these waters a little bit differently going forward, especially especially after this. Cincinnati. Let's talk about the Bearcats. Cincinnati and Scott Satterfield have lost three assistant coaches in the past week, which is honestly something you never want to have happen on a brand new staff right before spring practice. But I do suppose that it's better now than having it happen after spring, right? Offensive coordinator Tom Manning is headed to the NFL to join the Indianapolis Colts, which it shouldn't be a huge issue. I mean, Manning had just been let go from Iowa State after a 4-8 and eight year, and uh, Satterfield calls his own plays. Now, there is a report from Chad Brindle, who covers Cincinnati for Bearcat Journal. He said Satterfield is targeting Virginia Tech quarterback coach and passing game coordinator Brad Glenn to be Cincy's next offense coordinator. Uh, by the time you see this, it may have already been done. That, that deal might be done. Uh, those two overlapped for a few seasons at App State. And uh, Glenn was Georgia State's offensive coordinator from 2019 through 2021. Uh, the outside linebackers coach, Greg Gasparato, Gasparato, um, who left, uh, let's see, he uh, he left Louisville with, with Satterfield to join Cincinnati. He was hired as the new Troy defensive coordinator. Um, so he's he's gone. Like Going from outside linebacker to defense coordinator is a step up. So this one does make sense. Uh, Zenitz did report earlier that the Bearcats are expected to hire Georgia State defensive coordinator Nate Fukua as their new outside linebackers coach, which shows uh, just how drastic the difference is even between Cincinnati, who is now headed into the Big 12, and Georgia State, a Sunbelt school. Like, the pay gaps are as wide as they have ever been. And then finally, the last one, um, the third coach that was lost was another linebacker coach, Derek Nicholson, who followed from Louisville as well but will now be joining uh, Mario Cristobal's staff at Miami. I, I don't guess you can blame him for that one. Uh, Louisville's linebackers totaled 50 sacks last year. I mean, that led the country, so this could definitely hurt Cincy, as it is happening right before spring practice, uh, which starts on March 6th. But again, uh, probably better now than, than later. I, I got to admit that how Satterfield does at Cincinnati is one of the more intriguing things to me this upcoming season, and, and really through his tenure there. Like, I thought he was a a fantastic hire for Louisville, but things didn't go the way anybody thought they would. Like, don't get me wrong, he did have some success, but it felt like he wasn't a fit almost from the very beginning. Like, since he is built very similarly to Louisville, uh, you got to wonder, like, did Sat learn enough with the Cardinals to have more success with the Bearcats? Like, I, I imagine we will, we will see, but that is a very interesting question. Staying in the Big 12, Houston will not add an offensive coordinator. They lost Shannon Dawson to Miami, 
Dana Holgerson still going to be heavily involved in the offense. I would imagine he's going to call plays this next season. This is going to be an intriguing year for the Cougars as they replace the quarterback Clayton Toon and they head into Big 12 play. Let's go to the SEC. LSU special teams coordinator Brian Polian is transitioning to an off-field role, which means Brian Kelly is now searching for a new special teams coordinator. Like, if you just look at the numbers from last year, LSU was number 82 in made field goal percentage. They were number 87 in made point-after touchdowns. And they were last in the country with only one punt or kick blocked last year. Uh, they did finish number 103 with uh, three blocked kicks allowed. They were also number 51 in net punting. Overall, in Bill Connolly's final SP Plus ranking, they were number 92 in special teams efficiency. So definitely not great from the Bayou Bengals unit. We'll see what Coach Kelly can come up with over the next few weeks. But there are a lot of Bayou Bengal fans that are excited about this move. They... I mean, you saw it in the Florida State game last year. Whew. That was a that was a rough go of it. Rough, rough go of it. Let's talk Texas. Texas and Texas A&M. Excuse me. Uh, Texas AD Chris Del Conte stated on Feinbaum that he has told the SEC that he wants the Texas and Oklahoma game, the Red River rivalry or shootout or whatever you want to call it, to be at 2.30 p.m. Central Time and not at 11 a.m. I'm going to admit that's that's a pretty huge thing as, I mean, that game has been played at noon Eastern for as far back as I can remember. Uh, he also mentioned, and I got I to gotta quote this, think about Auburn not playing Alabama for 40 years or something for a huge stretch, Del Conte told uh, Feinbaum. I could never imagine that. I think what makes college sports so great is those rivalries, those deep-rooted family rivalries that last a lifetime. You cherish them. To not play Texas A&M for all these years it's just sad and ludicrous. I feel bad for our fans, and I feel bad for the state of Texas. I find this a bit comical, because it was former Texas AD DeLoss Dodds who said that Texas will never play Texas A&M again. And then he worked with Baylor and, and the rest of the Big 12 so that nobody in the conference would play Texas A&M. Now, since Dodd left, Texas did reach out when Scott Woodward was the AD at A&M. Uh, Woodward turned it down, stating that their non-conference schedule was completely booked up for 10 years, but... At the time, he did admit that he would like to renew the rivalry in the future. So these two programs, I mean, they can't even determine who didn't want the rivalry to continue. It's just a mess. Honestly, I'm very glad that we do get to see the matchup again very soon because I imagine it's going to get right back to just as heated as it always, or as it always was. Uh, in College Station, like moving over to their side, Texas A&M AD Ross Bjork was quoted about the SEC scheduling model. He said, no one can predict exactly where it's going to go, but I think there's a lot of belief that the data is going to show us that nine games is the right model. And hopefully that's where we'll end up. Uh, that's what the Aggies are in favor of. Now, if the SEC sticks with an eight-game schedule, Texas's permanent opponent will be Oklahoma, and Bjork said that A&M's would be LSU. But if it goes to nine games, you can almost guarantee that A&M and Texas are going to be one of the three protected rivalries. However, when it comes to whether or not that game will take place on Thanksgiving, that's a completely different story. Bjork stated... The math actually may not work out to where we would be able to play Texas the last weekend of the season because you've got to accommodate those non-conference rivalries. And he's talking about the ACC-SEC matchups. Uh, he said you've got to accommodate the Texas-Oklahoma date. You've got to accommodate some, of, uh, some other dates. Our position is we're not necessarily pushing for one thing over another because I want to see how it shakes out. We may maintain LSU 
as the last game of the year. It may just work out that way. It's a little too early to tell. But this is a very interesting thing that was brought up in the article. I believe this was over at The Athletic. Uh, It said, what about Texas versus Texas A&M in week one? Which Bjork replied with, honestly, I mean, that would be a magical weekend to kick it off that way. Like, you want to talk about a whole lot of juice added to the first week of the season? Like, that is, that's a way to get this thing rolling is right off the bat, 2024, week one, Texas at Texas A&M. Whew, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. Uh, we talked last week about the new Oregon wide receiver, Treshawn Holden, being arrested. Get my time written down, excuse me. Um, and he was, you know, he was arrested for menacing uh, coercion and unlawful use of a weapon. He was subsequently dismissed from the football team up there. Uh, it's now being reported that the police have reviewed the evidence and they opted not to press charges against him. Like his lawyer released this statement. He said, Treshawn Holden did nothing wrong. The Lane County District Attorney's thorough review of the evidence has confirmed that. Now that he has been exonerated, he deserves to have his good name back. Now, there has been no response from Oregon regarding him coming back to the football team, which I assume means that he's back in the transfer portal. We'll have to see what ends up happening uh, with this one because, you know, Holden's talented. But, man, for them to go with, like, two Class C felonies and and then just say, hey, you know what, the the video surveillance or whatever shows that none of that stuff happened, something a little, little fishy going on with that one. Just a little bit fishy. Uh, we got some more hiring news on this one. Adam Rittenberg reported that Indiana is hiring Utah State offensive coordinator Anthony Tucker as co-offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. Now, Tucker has spent time at UCF, Maryland, Arkansas State, Idaho State, and Colorado. And to me, it's an interesting hire. Like, I'm not sure how much longer Tom Allen has as head coach there. Uh, but, I mean, if we're being honest, they needed help basically everywhere. Like, if Tucker picked up some things from Blake Anderson at Utah State, that could definitely help the Hoosiers. Uh, they they were fairly explosive last year, but, I mean, what, what can you do if you don't have the players to be able to compete in that conference? I, I'm very curious to see uh, how this hire helps out. Uh, I do want to give props to Jerry Kill, New Mexico State head coach. He is a man of his word. He told his players that if they made a bowl game and they won it, he would get his first ever tattoo, and boy, did he get a tattoo. <laughs> he got a giant tattoo, proclaiming NMSU 2022 Bowl Champs with a couple of crossed pistols on his right arm, and it is massive. I'm talking absolutely massive. It's pretty awesome that he went through with it, uh, especially something you know that size. It, I, I'll tell you this. You, you need to go on Google and, and check it out. It seems like he is really enjoying his time in Las Cruces. I mean, at New Mexico State, it's been a long time since they've had a coach they can really, really get behind. Jerry Kill is awesome. He's just awesome. All right, if you didn't already, uh, go watch yesterday's video regarding the college football authorities going over options to shorten games. I went into a lot of detail there. I'm not going to rehash it here, but just do me a favor. Watch the video. Let me know your thoughts on you know the length of games, uh, the snaps played per season, etc. I'm, I'm very curious to hear you guys' thoughts. But with that said... That's going to put a bow on it for this edition of Winning Cures Everything. Again, if you haven't already, click that like button for me. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel and uh, and jump in the comments. Like, I want to know what you guys think about today's topics. Make sure that you go and get signed up over at BetUS. Uh, you use the link in the description for me. And, of course, subscribe to and review the podcast. 
As always, if there's something you want me to talk about on the show, hit me up. I'm at GaryWCE on Twitter, or you can always email me, Gary at winningcureseverything.com, or you can always toss anything you want uh, to discuss in the comments. Until next time, take care of yourself, take care of each other. God bless college football, and hopefully, hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show.